Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Okay, welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Family School of Thought. Hope everybody's Hello. having a great week and had a good week prior. I know it is hot, hot here in Michigan. And it's going to be hot, hot, hotter tomorrow. Just 100 degrees. Like what? Jess, what is it like there? <laughs> it's hot. It's going to be 100 degrees tomorrow. Yeah. It'll be How about great. you, Cass? What's it like in Portland? It's kind of chilly in Portland. Um, what? Yeah, it was only like 60 today. Oh, wow. It, it's like 90 today, and it's going to be over 100 tomorrow, hmm. or around 100. So, hot. Yeah. That's okay, though. Mm -hmm. We'll stay nice and cool inside. Air conditioning, that's what it's made for. That's right. Okay, let's get going this week. Yeah. Just tell us some fun facts. I got some amazing uh, mental floss, uh, amazing facts today. I got two of them. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to start doing two. Um, so the first one is, uh, did you guys know the Pledge of Allegiance was originally written as a part of a magazine's campaign to get more flags in the school? Did not know that. So, just remember that. It was a magazine ad. That's how it started. Huh. <clears throat> so, I thought that one was interesting. So I'll go I do have a little words. story that goes off of that. Sure, uh, go ahead. A thought I have, anyhow. Yeah. Um, I was listening to somebody a couple days ago, and they said our future flag will have gold stars. Oh. We are going to change the flag because of all the um, ugliness that surrounds it now. It's mm -hmm. a new flag and it's going to have gold stars. Cool. So I, when you hear about that, future, that, you heard it here first. Okay, sounds good. I think that's okay. a good tidbit. And it sounds interesting. I'd be all for that. Uh huh. Well, so my second. My, oh, well, Cassie? I was going to say, wouldn't the people who have made an ugly flag now just adopt the new flag anyway? Well, they would have to change and adopt it. Okay. Yeah. So, my second mental floss amazing fact of the day is um, Judy Garland. We all know who Judy Garland is, correct? I think she's For those listeners, somewhere. I was just going to say... For those the listeners who do not know, she is Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. I think that's what she's best known for, even though she was, what, like 14, 16 at the time when she did that. Okay. Um, she went on and had an amazing career and a daughter who had an amazing career. But so Judy Garland believed that she learned faster if she was only wearing her right shoe. So often during her rehearsals, she would only be wearing one shoe, which... I'm assuming this means like for dancing and stuff like that, or maybe just, you know, like going places on set or whatever, but it makes sense, you know, like as a dancer, wouldn't you, like you would learn cause you have like one shoe. You always know which one is your Maybe, right yeah, foot kind yeah, of thing. I don't know. Right, it, yeah. it seems I kind of a, a, like a practical tool. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's your lead foot. So you need to be able to know what your lead right. foot's doing at all times. That is right. interesting. I didn't know that neither. Could be also that they had her so drugged up, they were always like, right. 
Hey, Judy, yeah. your right foot has a shoe on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where's your left That shoe? could be what it is. Because back, you know, back in the Wizard of Oz, you know, the snow that happened that woke them up from their nap was not snow. It was arsenic. arsenic. So, or not uh, arsenic. At, um, <laughs> asbestos. No, I thought it was arsenic. Yeah. No, sorry. Nope, let's cut that one. It was the snow from the field that woke them up was asbestos. So, um, yeah. But she was also drugged to help her lose weight because she was told she was too fat in The Wizard of Oz. And she was drugged to wake her up to get her pep in her step and then drugged to make her go to sleep, too. So back then, Shirley Temple is the same, similar situation. Mm -hmm. You know, tragic uh, things that happened in young Hollywood mm. back right. in the day. So those are my amazing facts. We got a little off topic for that. They are but. amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, get, I get the right shoe. Like, for a, a dancer, I get the right shoe. Yeah, it made sense to me. And I, I know I had some, like, with when I cheered in high school, we had, so, like, some flyers that would wear different shoes on each foot. So depending on what was their, like, main foot that went up in the air and what one was stayed in the base of the end. Mm -hmm. So I get it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, Cass, how about a song this week? I'm ready. Something tells me I'm going to know this about this song. Okay. Because the Rolling Stones is probably the greatest rock and roll group ever. Yeah. I, and, I um, it could have been Hanson. There is a story about woman singing here. What'd you say? No, said it, it could have been Hanson. No, it was not Hanson. <laughs> but um, there is a story about this girl that's singing here, but I can't think of it. So. That's what I'm about to tell you. So... Well, this is Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. Um, and the lady that you heard singing there, which I, I think this is the best part of the song. I think her vocals in this song are just amazing and outstanding. Right. Um, her name is right. Mary Clayton. And she was actually brought onto the song very late in the track. Um, they like the song a lot, but I believe... Um, I believe Mick uh, McJagger was the one who suggested it, um, that they bring in a female to do the duet um, and make it a little bit more, you know, out like outstanding and uh, really bring home the message of the song. Um, but Mary Clayton was um, actually very, very pregnant at the time, and they called her at about uh, midnight to, do, to come in and do the recording. Um, and her and her husband were both very skeptical of doing it. Um, I don't know if they had just not heard of the Rolling Stones at the time or what, but they, were, they weren't really sure if they wanted her to come in and do it. It was very late at night, and she was pregnant, and they weren't sure. But she went in, and she did the song, and obviously the vocals are amazing. Um, but it actually put a lot of stress on her body, 
And after the session, she actually had a miscarriage and lost her child. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. And many people speculate that it was because of the pressure and the strain of the song. And she obviously puts a lot of emotion in the song. And it may have just mm -hmm. put a lot of stress on her body and in the baby. So. Wow. It, I did not know that. Yes. Um, it's a great song. And she's amazing. But it is, I think she said, she, she like later on said that she couldn't listen to the song for like years and years afterward. All right. Wow. Wow. Well, there, I got a lot, well, a lot of things to think about on that one, but one, I bet you he was inspired by Tina Turner because just about that time, Tina Turner was really in Mick Jagger really collaborating a lot. Mm -hmm. And she was teaching Mick Jagger how to dance on stage. <laughs> and, um, um, uh, Two, um, you know what I always think of that girl is, um, you know that song with Jack White and um, Love Interrupted. Oh, geez. Yes, doesn't she kind of remind you of that song? Sound like her? Yeah, yeah. Whenever I hear that Love Interrupted, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Um, I think of that song. She reminds me of her. Of Gimme Shelter. That sound kind of feels like that. I, I love yeah. that. Like that, like very raspy, almost to the point of breaking. Yeah. 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 That's a great song. And so is the Jack White. Love Interrupted. Yes. Yeah. Great song. Um, but anyways, that's very interesting. Could have been some other things they were doing there that maybe caused miscarriage too. Because it was a 69. <laughs> 69. And I didn't know a lot about not doing things when you're pregnant. What you yeah. What you weren't supposed to do as a pregnant woman. Right, right. And it didn't not, say how far along she not was. Not making any accusations or anything, pregnant. but. Yeah. Ah. Huh. There you go. That's the song for the week. Very good. Okay, great. Interesting. You never cease to amaze me. I try. <laughs> okay, Jess. I think you're up this week. I am up this week. So I have a story that. I, it is like really kind of becoming fresh right now in the last couple of months, but I found this story probably when we first started the podcast and I wish I would have done it back then because now it's kind of catching speed again. There's a new document that just got released a few months or a few weeks ago rather. Um, but this is the case of the Girl Scout murders. Have you guys heard of this one? I've heard yeah. of the movie. Something's doing a movie. So there's a and, new documentary that's coming out, or it's already been released. I I think on Hulu. I can't remember. I'll look into that. But um, with so yeah, Chandler. so there's a new one coming up. Yes, and she was part of the Girl Scout troop, or she was supposed to be at this camp, mm -hmm. and she was sick, so she didn't end up going. I don't wait, think she was supposed wait, to be wait, in. Wait, 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 wait. This she really was gonna be. Yeah, she was supposed part. to be there, but. She, no, she was, so she was, I think she said she was like eight, around eight to 10 years old at the time. And so she was part of the Girl Scouts and she was supposed to be in this camp or be part of this, but she was sick. So she couldn't go. Wow. And um, so now she's kind of taken her look back at it. And if anybody doesn't know who she is, yeah, she <laughs> um, is like hugely famous vocally wow. and as an actress. I first kind of came about with her. Um, from Pushing Daisies, like, where she won, like, a bunch of awards for, even though it was only, like, one season. Great show. If you guys have not seen Pushing Daisies, it's a great show. Um, but 
Um, yeah, and then she played in Wicked. She was part of the original Wicked cast. Um, she was... Um, I can't remember who she played in Wicked. She was... Alpha, uh, not Alphaba. Glenda. Well, she was, she's a, like a Broadway she, legend. She's yeah, like, she's a, Broadway. like a, yeah, she's, and she's like super, super tiny, petite, you know, but um, has an amazing, Glee. amazing voice. She was on Glee. Yeah, I mean, she's been on a, numerous things. So she started, and she did this documentary, kind of talking about it. And I think, um, I'm pretty sure with that documentary, I haven't got really looked into it too much yet, but they are looking at the other campers that were there that survived this. You know, I don't know if you want to call them survivors, but I'm going to because um, they weren't really targeted, but they were there. And some of them were in like the tent next door to the three that were murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this was back in the summer of 1977. Um, three young Girl Scouts, uh, their names are Lori Farmer, Michelle Goose, I, I think is how you say her last name, and Doris Milner. They were all murdered. They all were in the same tent and they were murdered. Um, and to this day, there's no real conclusion to this. Um, they think they know who killed them. They're like 99% positive. Everybody's like 98 but they just can't get that last 1%. And um, so, and we'll get into that in a, just a second. So the three of the girls were sharing a, a tent they had all known each other less than like 24 hours, um, but they were sharing this tent. Um, and this was, oh, just about a, a, you know, it was June, I'm sorry, June 12th of 1977. So somebody other than me do the math right now because I can't think that hard um, at this point, but we're just kind of hitting the anniversary of it. Um, so Lori Farmer was eight years 45 old. She years. Was eight, 45 years. Yep. So, um, Lori Farmer was eight years old. She was the youngest camper that was at this camp. And uh, Michelle uh, Goose was nine and Doris Milner was 10. And so they were all sharing this tent. Um, and this was at Camp Scott in Mays County, Oklahoma. So they all had a day of festivities. They had a great day, went to bed. And then hours after they went to bed, the camp counselor found all three of the girls' bodies stuffed in their suitcase, or sorry, not in their suitcase, stuffed in their sleeping bag, and they were scattered throughout the woods. So, and I've heard other stories where they were kind of like lined up to the path, to like the bathroom. Um, so, but in other ones I've heard scattered through the woods, and it kind of sounds like more like they were scattered along the path of this camp, basically. Um but so 45 years later, um, it's still kind of an unsolved mystery. And it's one of those murders that remains Oklahoma's most disturbing cases. And um, so, yeah, like, again, they're kind of doing some documentaries, but there were some movies that were made about this. Um, there were books that were written about it. So, <clears throat> um, so at this camp, uh, the, the girls, they were in the tent number eight which was the furthest tent away from the camp counselor. Um, and it was about 150 yards away from, um, or they were, their bodies were found about 150 yards away from their tent on the path, like scattered um, throughout the, the camp. Um, so there with, um, with that, there was a note. So less than two months before these murders happened, 
there was on-site training at the camp and the counselors were there. They discovered, the one of the camp counselors discovered that her belongings in her cabin had been ransacked and somebody had stolen her food and um, there was a note inside her empty donut box that was a handwritten note um, stating in all capital letters, we are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. The director of the camp session treated the note as a prank so the the director of the camp treated it as a the note as a prank and then it was discarded and they kind of moved on so then they had the camp um and then this happened um there are stories too that the the girls that were in the tent next to the uh, tent number eight so tent number seven had woke up at like three o'clock in the morning hearing you know like woke up multiple times about three o'clock in the morning hearing like moaning and screaming and one of the girls crying out for her mom and didn't think anything of it and went back to bed. And um, the camp counselor had also mentioned, um, which the camp counselor is the one that um, found the girls on the on the trail. Um, and her camp counselor, it was Carla, or it's Carla Wiltite, I think is how you say her last name. Um, she found them, but she also mentioned that she had heard noises throughout the night and just thought it was an animal kind of moaning and stuff. And so she had went back to bed. Um, but around six o'clock in the morning, she woke up and she was the one that discovered the three bodies that were, um, I guess they were part, like near the main road of the camp is where their bodies may have been um, found. Um, in some of my research, I found that all three girls had been sexually assaulted and beaten, and in others, I found that they weren't, that they were just suffocated, to like the pillow put over their, or strangled, I'm sorry, um, so they were strangled to death. So I'm not 100% sure on, you know, what really happened, but I, I found more that they weren't sexually assaulted, um, but they're... Um, their bodies, you know, like had showed signs of being strangled from the, the murder. So there was an investigation that went on and then two months, I'm sorry, like um, they ended up finding some evidence that pointed out to the, uh, a suspect who they thought would be, that they thought was the killer. Um, and his name is Gene Leroy Hart. And he was an escapee from a local prison that had escaped like months before this happened, right around the time that they found the note. And um, so he was taken into custody, questioned, and he was actually um, arrested for their murders. The evidence led to him being the, the suspect, being the murderer. He actually went on trial for the three murders and the jury found him not guilty. And so, but because he was an escapee serving two life, I think two life sentences already in prison, he went back to prison. Lo and behold, he was he escaped from prison and he was in prison initially for raping and beating, assaulting two pregnant women. So kind of adds all up. So the, the county sheriff 
at the time, and I think still to this day, says this guy is the murderer. He is, the the sheriff fully believes 100% that a thousand, I think he is quoted as saying like a thousand percent, this is the guy that did it. Um, and so they had DNA, you know, like they had DNA samples that they took back then, but this was back in 1977 before DNA was being used. Um, and through the years, he's continuously tried to solve this case and, you know, like basically pin it on this Gene Hart. Um, but Gene Hart, and the reason that they think he was acquitted for this is that he was like an upstanding citizen. People really respected him, but he is from the Cherokee Nation. And so they this sheriff believes that if they would have tried him outside of this county, it would have been a different um, a different outcome. They think that the jurors were really biased because they knew of his background. He was well-liked and well-respected in his Cherokee um, community. And um, he was actually 10 months after the murder was found in his, I think in his, um, in the, it was like the, the Cherokee's medicine man's house living there. Like just, they were protecting him basically um, for that. So, um, so he went back to jail. So, and so he was convicted again for raping and um, assaulting two pregnant women and was supposed to be serving 305 to 308 years in prison for those those two crimes um, in Oklahoma State Penitentiary. Um, but when he went back to jail, or back to prison, rather, after he was arrested for the Girl Scout murders and was found not guilty for them, um, he actually died in prison in 1979, on June 4th, 1979, of a heart attack. And I think that's part of the reason why they're not able to solve this because he never admitted to murdering them. And um, they weren't ever able to clearly get the evidence to add up to be him. Um, but if you'd kind of do all the, like put all the pieces together, it makes sense because he's an escapee with a back a history of these, t- um, these types of crimes. Um, but they were, they were able to like, just kind of put all those pieces together back then. Um, and so there were, so they discovered the bodies, but they also discovered a large red flashlight that was found near the girls' body or on top of the girls' bodies. There were fingerprints that were found on the lens of that flashlight. Um, but those fingerprints were never identified. And then there was a footprint of a nine and a half shoe size that was also found um in the blood of the tent because the blood or the tent was just covered in blood apparently um and then um there were other you know things that were found um along the lines of that too so um but they used all of that evidence and then in i want to say 19 let me get um down to my notes on here 1989, they did a DNA test um, conducting, you know, trying to find out if his if um, his DNA matched the DNA that samples that they took from the the crime scene, and statistically, DNA from one in 7,700 Native Americans would have obtained were obtained in that result. So um, they they just weren't conclusive enough 
um, for that. And so, and then in 2018, they did a new DNA test um, because they had new, uh, or, you know, like new technologies for that. Um, and then they've continued doing that. Um, there were, in 2017, $30,000 in donations were raised um, by the sheriff in order to do new DNA tests um, from that. And then in 2022, so this year, authorities made uh, public that the DNA evidence that they had strongly suggested that Gene Hart was involved with the, these murders. Um, and Sheriff Mike Reed of Mays County said, unless something new comes up, something brought to light we are not aware of, I am convinced where I'm sitting of Hart's guilt and involvement in this case. Um, and he said that the DNA test results have been known really since 2019, but they didn't go public until 2022 because he wanted to make sure all of the victims' families were in approval of that being released um, with that. Because really, they're basically saying, hey, we think this guy murdered your daughters, but we can't. 100% say with accuracy that that's the case. But his DNA was found near the camp. So they're kind of also thinking that because he was an escapee around that same area from a prison around that same area, that, you know, he could have been hiding out in those cabins or in the tents or in the woods, you know, days leading up to this, you know, and that's where his DNA was found um, from that. So, um, it's kind of a, a sad story, but it sounds like, you know, people are starting to get some answers for this um, with that. But, um, and I know, so on Wikipedia, it does state that um, that each of the, the three girls were bludgeoned to death and raped and um, assaulted um, from that, which makes sense too, because there's multiple things where it says there's blood all over the tent. So I I think with this too, is a lot of it is this happened back in 1977. They took some pictures, but it wasn't widely known because we didn't have the you know social media or technology that we have now, the sources that we have now for doing that. But um, it does say that they were bludgeoned to death. Um, and all three of the girls were residents of Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we're going to put in a little tidbit there. That is the hometown of Hanson. Just putting that out there. Oh, yeah. so, oh, put a little, little smile on your it face for that. Comes back to one of Hanson's ancestors. I'm sorry? What? So it was one of Hanson's ancestors? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Legend. Maybe. For entertainment purposes only. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I got some questions. Questions yet or are you done? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of okay. I, I kind of jumped around a little bit, you know, but uh, that's kind of that's kind of where it is. But um, let me go down to the bottom. So there is 1993. There was a documentary that was done. Um, if anybody is interested in watching this, um, sorry, it, it's called "Someone Cry for the Children: The Girl Scout Murders." Um, it is based on the book of the same name by uh, Michael and Dick Wilkerson. Uh, and the documentary is narr narrated by Dale Robertson and Johnny Cash. So there's, wow. yeah, I was kind of shocked by that too. So, um, and then it was directed by Michael Wilkerson as well. Um, there is a four part 
ABC news documentary series that's called Keeper of the Ashes, the Oklahoma Girls, the Oklahoma Girl Scout Murders. Um, and this, this is the one um, that Kristen Chenswith was, is part of. So she, this was released on Hulu in, um, on May 24th of this year. Um, and it was a few weeks before the 45th anniversary of the crimes. Um, and it, she is the host of this. Um, and she was eight years old at the time and had planned to go on the camping trip, but became ill and was not able to attend. Um, and there, is, there was supposed to be a fourth girl in the tent, but she didn't show up until the next day. And one of the, the girls, it's kind of sad, um, one of the girls did not want to go to the camp. I can't remember which one. I'm looking to see if I can find it real quick. But one of them didn't want to go because her two best friends had ended up backing out and not going to the camp. And so she would, didn't want to go, but her mom kind of insisted, hey, like, no, you can go. You can meet new friends. And then she was murdered. Um, so, like, I couldn't imagine being that mom and having that kind of a guilt on, you know, if I would have just listened to my kid, she'd still be alive. I'm, of, you know, right. of course, it's mom's fault, but, you know, um, it's just the worst that can happen. You'll meet two new friends. Right. Yeah. Forever and ever. Well, so. okay. Okay. I do have some questions, though. On the police yeah. report, does it say that they were molested? I mean, surely that must have been on a report. If they were, that, so, you know, and there is, I was looking through it, but I got kind of, I guess I don't want to say sidetracked, but there is an actual website that is girls, girlscoutmurders.com. But just so everybody's aware, it's not a secure website. It's, it seems like it's a very old website. It's very slow moving. But it does have a ton of pictures. It looks like, I don't know who created it, but it looks like whoever did it went deep into it. But it's very, it's very hard to like navigate for quickly, you know? So, but um, it does, and because it, it gives like maps of the campground and all that kind of stuff as well too. So um, it's like, it, it is like an early, I want to say like, you know, like a website from like 2008-ish, you know, like that's what it seems like very, old um and old moving um but it does like i said it has tons of pictures on there um and i'm looking come on it seems like they would have that on the report maybe they don't want to release it i but. think there was and there was more like wikipedia said that there's another story that said that they were bludgeoned and raped um I, and that every story said that their their tent was like covered in blood so okay. I couldn't imagine that's my them. next question. Yeah. It seems odd these tents must have been really far away from each other or because um, how could you lunch inside one of those little tents without that's, them screaming? Yeah. And from what I can understand too, they were just those like little, you know, like the um triangle type yeah. of tents, you know. Right. Those old canvas ones. Um for that too. So this, sorry, I'm trying to do that website. It, if somebody, it's very interesting. It's just very slow moving, so it's hard to like get all. I, again, oh, I have like a thousand questions here. Um, yeah. The site where they were at was it a site that was where they did Girl Scout camping, or is this just yeah. somebody? Yeah. So this somebody was, came up yeah, with so, it and said, "Hey, let's go camp in this 
No, like Camp Scott is like a Boy Scout, Girl Scout right. type European okay. area. So, and like there is a picture that um, is shown on that, um, and it doesn't say how far away each tent was, but they were, you know, like maybe twenty feet from each other. They were fairly close. So that's something too. But the counselor's tent was like way over here, and then the girls that were murdered were way over on the other side. So. It was, and there was like a bathroom area, like a outhouse or not an outhouse, but like a bathroom house right. um, in the middle. So their tent was 50 yards away from that bathroom house. And then the camp counselor's tent was 29 yards away from that. So they were, you know, 79 yards away from the camp counselors, you know, so they were a good distance away from the camp counselor. But this is something too, that like back in the seventies, you didn't think about this kind of stuff. You just as kids, you went out and you spent the night out in the wilderness and, you know, like you could hear each other and, um, you know, kind of um, do that too. But, um, and, oh, and going back to some of the evidence. So they found there were three caves around this camp that they found evidence in. And um, in one of the caves, or maybe in multiple caves, they found evidence of um, Jean Hart, like clothing and stuff, but also, um, oh, let's see that. Um, they, they found like writing on the wall, basically stating that he was gonna murder these girls. And then there was some numbers um, that were written, at, I want to say 16, 7, and I thought it was, like, really odd. Um, I don't know where it was, but um, I should have wrote it down. Um, but, yeah, so it's like there were, in these caves, were additional evidence. And that's what, like, I think, too, the sheriff's department and the police were doing their due diligence, but because it was back in 1977, they just didn't have the technology or the, you know, like the tools that are available now that could have solved this crime back then. And then um, they- And you said that that it was in a um, community where um, Native Americans- Yeah, so- Well, they, it was, um, he lived in Cherokee Nation, which is in um, the county that this happened in. So I'm, I think that what it was is that he was just so well-respected in his Native American community, but he was also well-respected in the other community, which is kind of odd because he was in prison already for, well, you know. That like was my question, too. How could he be yeah, so, so respected in the community if he'd already been arrested? I think, you know, it's kind of like one of those Ted Bundy situations where he's just so charming, you know, and um, attractive. And so, you know, people just kind of, we're like, oh yeah, you know, like he's he was accused, but he, it's a lie kind of thing. Um, so, but he, you know, so he had escaped from prison. This happened in 1977. It took 10 months for them to find him, and because he was hiding out in the like on the reserve, basically. Um, and so he wasn't arrested until April 6th of 1978 for these three murders. Um, for the Girl Scout murders. And then in March of 1979, he had went on trial and that's when he was acquitted for these murders back then. But because he was already an escapee from prison, they said, no, you're going back to prison now. You're not going to be free. 
And so he went back to prison. And then on June 4th, 1979, he died of a heart attack in prison. Um, oh, I know. So um, I lots of times, well, let's see, I don't know how I want to put this, but um, Native Americans well, in communities, they have their own police department and they. Right, right. And I don't think that was. From so what I know, like, I don't think that was that they, you know, kind of were protecting their own. Yeah, and I don't think that was the case in this situation. I mean, I could be wrong, but what I've seen is like the the county sheriff's office was the one that was handling this whole investigation um, from that. But it does say too, like he was a high school athlete. So again, back in 1977, high school athletes were gods, you know. Right. So I think that was part of it too, is that you know he he was you know attractive. You know, and then he was well respected and um, high school athlete. So it's like, you know, again, it's like that Ted Bundy type of a situation where you the just have to let people get away with anything. Right. And you have this charming person. Yeah. Do you have a picture of him? I do, but I don't I don't have it with me for to show today. But um, and, 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 like, know, his but, crime was, you know, you know, let's be nice about it. It was rape which in 1977 yeah. wasn't really looked as that big right. a deal, right. you know, especially. Well, we got 300 years in prison for it. That's what, and that's what kind of was odd to me because again, yeah, can't exactly what you said. Like we've talked about this before. It was more of like a slap on the wrist for raping somebody, but that was odd to me that you got like 300 years or over 300 years in prison for, you know, assaulting and raping two pregnant women. So that was, it seemed kind of odd to me on, on that too, but um, I didn't really go into depth. I didn't do a deep dive on, you know, his previous stuff. I mean, it, even, there's so. just so many things that seem odd about this story. I mean, just the fact that they'd be, Girl Scouts would be camping in an area where there was like convicted rapists well, that yeah. had escaped jail. Yeah. And I think, again, it was, you know, back in the 70s, you know, that, you know, people were hitchhiking still. And, you know, the, I don't think that they thought about, oh, we shouldn't put a prison next to a Boy Scout, Girl Scout camp, you know. Uh, I don't think it was right next to it, but, you know, like near that, near right. that area. In the area. So, yeah. So, um, but there were several suspects that were looked into or people of interest uh, from this. And through the years, those DNA tests that um, they continue to do help to eliminate those people from the list. So they were able to kind of cross those people off um, for this. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, there has been some good things that have happened from this. And in all honesty, I mean, this is still an unsolved murder situation, but they've kind of really solved it. They kind of know. And I think, too, it's like that sheriff, the the county sheriff, has continued to push and push 45 years later, he's still pushing for those answers to have the 100% answer. And I think that he's been getting pushed back that, you know, like, hey, just let it go, you know, let it go. But um, it's just one of those things that has stayed with him that he's pushed for it. And the families of the girls have became advocates for, you know, little girls that are, you know, like missing kids and um, those kind of things too. So they've, you know, I think there's been some, obviously, like, you don't want to say good from this, but um, they've, uh, Richard 
Goose, and I think that's how, her last name is G-U-S-E, I don't know how you would pronounce it, but Goose, Richard Goose, the uh, father of Michelle, helped to establish the Victim's Bill of Rights in Oklahoma, um, as well as the Oklahoma Victim's Compensation Board. So he felt as though he and his wife were being ignored through this process by law enforcement um, and the prosecutors. So they, he drafted a bill to create um, coordinating, coordinating centers in Oklahoma to keep victims and the families involved in um, these types of situations, um, keep them involved with, le with the legal processes to kind of give them a step-by-step, -step, hey, this is what you can expect. This is what you're going to go through. These are the questions that are going to be answered. This is what you need to know. Um, and the um, compensation board that helps, it helps provide victims and their family members with money to assist with any expenses like medical bills or um, help to, you know, like to help get them through. Um, and then Lori Farmer's mother, Sherry, founded the Oklahoma chapter of the Parents of Murdered Children, which is an organi organization dedicated to provide assistance and support for the families of homicide victims. So again, it's just kind of helping with through the grief and dealing with these processes. Um, because unfortunately we have homicides, but until you really go through it yourself, you don't really know how you're going to react or what to do. And um, right. and I think too, for the, the parents, having this guy be arrested and on trial for the murders and basically everything pointing to him, but then having a jury acquit him for the, the murders, I mean, it's got to be a devastating blow for that. Absolutely. You know, and then 45 years later, he's still like the main subs the, the main suspect um, for the murders of this. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's terrible. Three young girls. Yeah. So, yeah, and the eight, nine, and 10. So, you know, like right in that, like. And they were killed in the tent and then drug outside. Or there was a lot of blood in. Yeah, so that was what they were killed inside the tent, or that's what is oh. assumed. And then I they were. I if there was blood from all three in there, or was it one? Um, and maybe that's what it was. Put in my head how you're going to kill three young girls inside a tiny tent like that, and right. nobody knows. Well, yeah. and that's what like so there could have been you know like uh, a tire iron or you know like some kind of thing that he used to bludgeon them. And it could have been, you know, you know, bludgeon one, knock them out, bludgeon this, you know, like knock them all out. But there were, you know, the other witnesses that were there, the other um, campers. And then the camp counselor had all said that they heard moaning and they heard, you know, crying for a mother and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I couldn't imagine being eight years old and, you know, like having it happen. One, you're scared that some guy that you don't know is, you know, coming into your tent. I'm sure that they kind of cowered into a corner. And then when he started attacking one or two of the girls, I'm sure, like, it, it, you go into that fight or flight mode. So, like, you you know, like, or you just freeze, you know, and that could have been what happened. Just froze. Um, or they were sleeping. So he came in, snuck in, and bludgeoned them at that point or, like, knocked them out to that point. But, uh, yeah, so kind of kind of crazy for that. Wow. Yeah. It would be very interesting in hearing this um, Chris, Christian's um, take on it. Yeah, since she was yeah, and that's it. And I, yeah, so, and I, like I said, I found this story, like, months ago. 
and I've been wanting to do it and I just have been pushing it off, pushing it off. And then I saw her kind of, she's been doing like her, you know, rounds with the media and like promoting this documentary. Right. And I'm like, oh, she was part of this too. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and then just like, I just kept pushing it off. But I'm like, I, this is a good one. I mean, I, I hate saying it's good, but you know, it's a, it, a situation that is still unsolved, but it, it's a, to me, like a unique and crazy situation because it's technically unsolved, but they still, they really have the, the suspect. And I do think, like I said, if he wouldn't have died in prison, he probably would have eventually admitted to doing it, you know, because right. he was acquitted. So he couldn't go back on trial for, you know, or maybe he could, if there was, I think with that, like you, I don't know, entertainment purposes, because I am not a legal person. I have no law degree, but I'm pretty sure that if you're acquitted for something, unless there is new evidence that right. proves that you right. can't be, you can't be retried for that crime. Right. And he wrote a book basically saying, if I did it, okay. So right, you just right, told everybody right. that you did. So, and then, yeah, so it's, yeah, same situation. Um, so, and that's where like, I do feel like if he would have survived, he would have eventually admitted to doing it and um, all that. But, and apparently he died of a heart attack while he was lifting weights and like he was running a lot on that day. So to me, it kind of like makes me wonder, like, did he take something to up his blood pressure or up his heart rate kind of thing? And then really like commit suicide in prison in a way that, right, he, right. you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. It just seemed kind of well odd in, in that sense too. Yeah, you girls have heard me say, I don't believe in capital punishment. And so- right. He spent his last years in jail, tormented by what he did. That's right. more punishment than just being killed. Right, right, right. Although I also thought, right. I mean, he only served. I mean, he only served a few years in in prison. Yeah. But I also kind of wondered, you know, because again, like it seemed kind of odd. He was thirty five when he died, so very young to have a heart attack. I know it's. You know, we know that it's, you know, that's not always the case. I mean, it does happen with people that are young, but it, it's a very young age. So then it made me wonder again, too, like, did one of the prison guards, you know, give him something that would give him a heart attack or, you know, they knew he was right. going to be working out to the, to the extent that he does, you know, so was he kind of, or I mean, a legit kind of murdered. You know, was he murdered because they knew he was guilty for this, but he got acquitted for it during the trial. So that's kind of what I, that was my theory on it is that, you know, like he, like, cause it was like, it happened and his trial was in March. He was found not guilty and then he died of a heart attack in June. So that's only a, a couple months later, you know, a few months later. Oh. I thought so that's like, no, it was like, you know, so March to June, that's three months later, he w- died of a heart attack. Well, he could have been killed, really. That And that's what, that's my theory is that, you know, something happened. He was given something that, you know, like he was murdered, basically. He was poisoned or something right. by, you know, like, and again, this is for entertainment purposes only. And this is my theory on this. Um, but that's what you like. I feel like the authorities knew he was the guilty party. They were upset that he was found not guilty. And so they took it into their own hands to, oh. to pull that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I was thinking with that. So um, the camp was shut down after the bodies were found, and um, I I don't think it's I don't think it was evacuated and shut down. Um, but the girls that were at the camp weren't told why, so nobody really knew why. They were just told their parents were going to come pick them up, and they were all told to like wait at the Tulsa bus depart depot to. Um, um, the, or the parents of the surviving children were told to go wait at the um, bus depot, but they didn't know if their daughters were dead or alive. They, you know, so it was like kind of like a blind, hey, go pick up your daughters kind of a situation. Um, and then the girls arrived on the next day around like 2.15 p.m. So in the afternoon on June 13th at the, the bus um, depot. Um, and then the Girl Scouts sold the camp, um, which had opened the Girl Scouts had opened it in 1928, um, and then um, they sold it to a local family in 1980. So, and then um, it's Camp Scott, and it remains closed to this day. So it, it had never reopened as a camp. Um, but it is often frequented by ghost hunters and paranormal enthusiasts trying to figure out if they can um, talk to these three girls or find them um, in the in, out in the woods and, you know, kind of get their say at it or find, you know, answers to this. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. So. Wow. Yeah. Now we need to find a psychic who could look into this. Right. Well, you know, that's something to. That's know, my thing about psychics. Why can't they ever look into something like this and go, right. here's what happened? Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, you know, like, you know, they can tell you what they, you know, like the, what the outcome of a, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial is going to be, but they can't solve the right. unexplained murders that happen. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. And that's, I do want to watch the documentary. It's on, again, it's on Hulu. It's called Keeper of the Ashes. I do want to watch that because I do think it has some of the survivors of this incident. Um, and so they kind of talk about their experience and I'm sure there's going to be more information that, um, that they say that, um, that was, you know, like has never really been released before. As far as I can see, I don't see any of the other girls that were there. Wrote a book or anything, the documentary you know. with Christian, what's her name? Christian it's already Smith. out. Yeah. It, it was released on um, May 24th. On Netflix? On Hulu. Yeah. So if you don't, you know, you got to get Netflix, you got to get Hulu, you have to have Amazon Prime, you have to have HBO Max. I know. They just need to bundle all these services. It's called cable TV. That's what it used to be. Right. Yeah, I know. They got rid of their cable so they could have 18 other streaming services. Yeah. And I do, so again, I do think people should, I, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say they should go check out this website because, again, it's it's like popping up for me as a not secure. So, but I think it's like an older website, but it's girlscoutmurders.com. And it, like I said, it's got tons of pictures and it, it, um, it gives a timeline um, of the events. It kind of, you know, but it also, I didn't want to go off of it too much because it does seem like it's um, just a normal person, you know, that 
is just kind of an enthusiast of this and, you know, trying to find all the facts and putting everything together. Um, so it's, to me, it's kind of a little biased in some senses too, because it kind of, you know, calls out, you know, like the police, well, why didn't they do this? Or why didn't they talk to this person? You know, which I mean, could be good, but it was just, um, some of it just didn't, it wasn't real like professional investigative journalism, I guess right. I could wow. put it that way. So, but it does, it has a ton of, ton of pictures. Um, and it kind of goes through, like I said, that whole timeline of what happened um, with that. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, it kind of, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but um, it was kind of cool to see all the pictures and I was trying to like get some pictures, but um, I didn't download any pictures to like show today. I apologize for that, but we will put some on our Instagram account. And I think we should mention too, we do have an Instagram account. So like, and follow us on Instagram, the um, family school of thought. And um, we do, we have all of our stories with lots of pictures for each story on, on our Instagram account. I think that should be mentioned. <laughs> I don't think we've ever mentioned that before. <laughs> and I'll have to check it out because I've never been on it. <laughs> I don't have Instagram. Yeah, so we have Instagram. I don't think we have any other social media though. No, that's just just Instagram. Well, we should, yeah, we should utilize our YouTube channel more because we can put pictures on that, correct? What do you mean? I don't know. I don't know. But um, I, mean, I can very interesting into the video, but that's about it. Well, I definitely want to see a picture of this guy. So let me see if I can pull up. Can you just like pull it up and then share your so I was just going to do, I was going to try. I don't know if it'll work, but we'll try. Um, and I, I do want to clarify too, that I don't think these girls were targeted for any reason for, you know, like they weren't targeted for their skin color or nationality or any of that kind of stuff. Because um, they all look very different. They, you know, they're just young little, cute little girls that, you know, I think they just ended up being in the furthest tent closest to the woods and, and in an unfortunate uh, wrong place, wrong time situation. And the sad thing is this, to, to be that life. young and to be that far away from anybody is pretty well, sad. And think about it, though. Like, when you were that young, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, like, you know, you guys didn't have parents hovering over you all the time. No, you know, like no, when you were that age, you were out. Like this happening. Right. You know, like right. who would have thought? You also sent right. me to camp so, when I was I eight years old. Yeah, I know. I mean, we didn't and stay in We weren't in tents, but we were in in uh, cabins, and we didn't have like a chaperone in there. It was just a bunch of girls. Well, I think my tent, I went to church camp, so we had shepherds. I was going to say, you were in a cabin. I was in a cabin, but. Out in the, out in the wilderness we, of Michigan. We had, we had chaperones, oh, but it's like. That was a resort chaperone. you went to, by the way, not a camping. Mm, and you guys had a lot of luggage. You got to have, you guys had a lot of luggage. You know, you didn't have luggage like you thought you were a Paris Hilton. I remember because you guys had counselors up some big hill. Didn't you have a counselor in your room with you, Cass? That's what I just said. Yeah, 
had a counselor. Yes, he did. I don't think I did. I don't remember having a, a counselor, but you know, I was also older. I wasn't eight years old, you know, ten years old. I was I don't in high school. You on the camp. I went to, she went to camp. cheerleading camp. And, oh, yeah, and cheerleading camp and basketball camp. Yeah, I mean, I guess I did. But the cheerleading and basketball, all the sports ones were on a college campus and we were in the dorms. That's a different right. story. Right. But like yes. band camp, we were in camp. It was church camp, but it was a resort. It wasn't like camping out in the woods in a tent. Okay. <laughs> but were you there? I carried all of her luggage there and she had a ton of it. Oh. <laughs> yes, I was there. I mean, I wasn't there. I took her there, her and Janelle, and set them up in their room, took all their luggage up to the room, and it was a, you know, yeah. hotel type place. It was not a hotel. It was literally a cabin in the woods. It was just a well, wooden structure. There was no bathroom in there. You had to go down the, like, was a pool. down the trail. You guys had guys bringing you drinks and stuff. <laughs> okay. Guess we went to a different church camp because that did not happen at mine. No. Anyways, this is a very interesting story. I'm, I can't wait to go like research this. Okay, and hold I on. I'm going to see that. Kristen, I'm gonna share my Kristen screen view of it and her take. I'm gonna share my screen. And I'm gonna pull up. I just uh... oh, come on. Ah, there it is. <laughs> you see it? No. Yeah, we see your screen. Oh, so here's a picture of the three little girls. Uh, God, that one looks nice. The one on the left. Go take your Buffy picture from when you were a little kid. That's the same picture. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, doesn't that look just like you? Um, and so these. this is Gene Hart when he was arrested. Okay. He does not look like he's 35 years old or 33 oh. at the time. He does look old. Um, yeah, he looks older, I can say, yeah. Of course, it was a 77, so people didn't look. Yeah. But yeah this he is definitely looks guy. older than 35. So this is what I think it must be a younger picture, maybe when he was first arrested. Um, and then here, this is uh, Kristen Timsworth, um, you know, part of the documentary. Why can't so. any of you guys say her name correctly? I don't know. What is her? How do you say your name? Kristen Chenoweth. Chenoweth. I had it close. Sounded like mom right there. I'm just going to call her CC. Stop that. There we go. So I'm going to stop here. My yeah. So. pretty sad that is it's a very sad sad story but kind of have I don't know I I wonder how I do I want to see the documentary too because it's 45 years later I don't know if any of the the victim families are um if they are part of it if they kind of say anything about it 
but it would be kind of interesting to hear how they feel um, with this still being technically an unsolved mystery, but like basically all the evidence is there um, to, you know, incriminate the person that was acquitted for this. So are they happy that, you know, kind of, I mean, you can't say justice was served because it really wasn't, he was acquitted for the murders, but are they happy with the results or are they happy that they were able to finally, um, I think I would be very upset with the judicial system. Right. And that's what it sounds like. You know, they, right. The one family sounds like that they were upset. And I do believe two of the families, they ended up suing. I can't remember exactly what, but they, they ended up filing lawsuits, but they lost those too. So I think that was something to, and I think that's why they started those foundations and stuff is because they were probably way over their head on trying to, you know, file these lawsuits and win and they had no idea. And then they were up against, you know, you know, attorneys that knew what they were doing, you know, and, um, you know, obviously you're dealing with the grief of the situation too. Are they, do they think, and I hate to keep going back to this, but do they think they got acquitted because the jurors were probably from that community and that's what, yeah. So they think that the jurors were, they knew who he was. They knew him in high school. Right. And so they, they feel like, you know, and that's where the sheriff thinks too, that, you know, he thinks it was a very biased jury that they a lot of times they'll try to go to another community for the trials. Right. Well, and that, but I think that's something too, again, this was back in 77. So, you know, maybe that's why they started doing those kind of things is because right. Right. people were charming and people were well-respected in their community. And then they were getting off on these crimes because you know, the their neighbor was the one serving on their jury and saying, oh, I, I've known them since they were a baby, you know, so that, but it is, yeah, that is one of the theories is that the jury was just, they knew of him um, and his history in the community and thought of him as a well-respected person and um, didn't think that he would be capable of doing this. And maybe with that, I mean, again, he had a history. He was in prison. He escaped prison, but he was in prison for raping and assaulting two pregnant women. But maybe the jurors were like, well, you know, that is the case, but these were, those were pregnant women, women, and these were eight, nine, 10 year old girls. So, you know, like he wouldn't do that to an innocent girl kind of thing, you know, right. but wouldn't do that to a young innocent girl. Right. No, pregnant women were probably dressed wrong and were, you know, asking for it. Yeah, that I mean, that's probably what it was too. Yeah. So, and I don't know. No, again, yeah, I didn't do that. Three hundred and five years for assaulting those women—that's yeah. a lot for that. Let me, let me Even see in today's standards, that'd be a lot. That's, and that's exactly what I thought. So, like, what? Why was he? Serving that much time, so let me let me see if I can do a deep dive on him real quick to see because I was curious about that, but then I didn't really get into depth on why. Um, well, I was uh, while you do that, I was going to bring up you know the this you know uh, him being well respected in his community and like why would they still respect him? Mm -hmm. This happens quite a bit with like figures mm -hmm. like this. Like I mean, look at uh, Gandhi was known to sleep with twelve-year-old yeah. girls naked. Um, Martin Luther yeah. King Jr. was a, a known womanizer, and he cheated on his. Yeah, wife. but he wasn't raping. But the, but he had affairs, just, but he wasn't raping women. But I just mean like, it just because you know you do these bad things does not mean that 
you cannot be well respected in some communities or praised in some communities. Yeah. So it does. So I, I found. Yeah. <laughs> I found in this news article. I have food. You do. We do. Who does? Yeah. Who I do. I I again. Well, we got to see this documentary. Yeah. But it does, so I found something where it says that he was in prison for up to 308 years for kidnapping and raping and assaulting the two pregnant women, as well as four counts of um, first-degree burglary. Burglary. So that still seems like a high sentence for for all that, but, um, you know. Maybe that's why they acquitted him. Like, that's why the jurors... Acquitted him. Maybe yeah. That they and, felt and that that was, was yeah. too harsh of a punishment. Right. Oh, and maybe that's what it is too. Yeah. They're like, well, he's going to go back to prison anyways. He's already got over three hundred years. So, well, no, what does it matter? I mean, like they, they thought that that his punishment was too harsh oh, yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And they were angry about right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the community was upset that he got such a. That, uh-huh. that they, well, yeah. We're gonna let him go on this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think it's too high. Well, I think that a man, that somebody that attacks two women, and I know, but this was 1977. Right. There would be a I lot think. even today. I think. Yeah. Three hundred. Yeah. Our our ju- ju- judicial system needs to. Uh... Okay, I know I've been mis misusing, <laughs> but it's yes. Okay. Our, our system, system, our system needs to get back to back in the time and put these people away. But when was our judicial system not corrupt? Right, exactly. Right, exactly. That's the problem. We need to get them all off of the benches. We our, need to fix our system. Our entire well, prison system is just a new form of slavery and it was as a result of slavery there was no such thing as a prison system before slavery was emancipated right right so it's never been a fast to blow your mind yeah. yeah that's a good documentary i watch is the 13th amendment to learn about our judicial system there's a lot of things that have done work that are in place because of slavery and we just don't realize it. Yeah. Right. It was a very interesting story, Jess. I thought it was. And scary. I apologize that I'm kind of all over the place. I'm not feeling the hundred percent today. Hey, that's my kind of thing. I I understood you one hundred percent. So you can I, uh, keep going all over the place. I like all over the place. <laughs> I do have to say, yeah, I'm not feeling the great. And then we have all the cottonwood that looks like it's snowing in Michigan. Oh yeah, um, it was it was flying everywhere today. Yeah. I've uh, Cassie, Cassie's allergies are all acting up now. This is not allergies. Somebody got me sick. Yeah. This is not. Allergies. I think I got sick from somebody else too. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> Someone in this family got us sick. Yeah. I agree. Let's let's go back a couple podcasts and listen to who was sick a couple weeks ago. I wasn't. I just have allergies. Is that cottonwood? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. 
Yeah. And then, you know, Danielle was sick. Is she's still kind of sick? That's allergies. She has a double allergy. He definitely does have allergies, still, the poor little girl. He does. She has uh, ear infection. I took her to the doctors and she has a double ear infection. So that's why. She's got what Cassie and I have now. You probably gave it to her. Uh Cassie was. Um, she was hanging I'm all over. I was not sick when Danielle was over at my house, sitting on my couch, eating my popcorn. So once again, in this week's of the family school of thought, we told our story about a true true murder mystery, and then we got off way <laughs> off topic. We just we just we just like to talk afterwards, so that's okay. So welcome to our family discussions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's where it gets real. Yep. We end the podcast on a real note. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, on that note, <laughs> should we wrap this up this week? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was good to right. hear everybody this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Please like and support our channel, and um, find us on YouTube. Write us, write us on our um, website or on our email address, the Family School of Thought at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. And, and like and subscribe see. on Instagram. Yeah, follow uh, Instagram. Us. I'm going to check that out. Follow us on Instagram. What is like just pictures or? What yeah. is on Instagram? They're like little bios of each week's podcast and then pictures. Yeah. Okay. I shall have to check that out. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Um, Bye. Thanks for coming in. Bye, girls. Love you. We'll see, see you soon. Good night. <laughs>